Pastor Brian, can you give it up for Pastor Brian really quick? He is an incredible leader, an incredible pastor, an incredible mentor. We were blessed to be able to serve alongside of him and under him uh, over the last few years until we moved uh, to North Carolina. And uh, I understand his stress and uh, feeling of being overwhelmed by not being in the pulpit on every Sunday. Uh, but how about, how about that, that your pastor has the wisdom and understanding to step back, find a moment and a season of rest to reset and refocus and completely plug into the Holy Spirit and be completely recharged. And I believe God is going to be doing some incredible things here shortly and here soon at Life Chapel uh, because this is a place of life. If you haven't experienced that yet, maybe you're new or, or you've just started coming recently, you will understand that this is a place of life. It was a place of life for me and Adrian and for our family. It was a place of training. It was a place of learning and growth. And that's what you're plugging into when you come to Life Chapel and, and when you plug into the leadership team here at, or at Life Chapel. Wow, I'm, I'm still in North Carolina. So give it up one more time for your pastor this morning. So honored uh, to be here, Pastor Brian. Thank you for sharing the pulpit. I know it's, it's a, not an easy burden to just hand off to anybody, so I want to thank you for trusting me. Uh, I want to thank you all for trusting me with your time today, and I promise I'll try to do as best as I can to honor your time. Uh, I want to I walk down memory lane for just a second because, as Pastor Brian said, we helped launch the ministry here back in 2014, and uh, life has just completely uh, changed for us since we started pastoring. We've been pastoring for four years now. And it's just been incredible. And as Pastor Brian said, we're just in this season of, uh, I, I don't know how else to say it, Mark, other than wowness. We are in a, just a season of wowness, just dumbfounded and in awe about what God is doing. And a few months ago, uh, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and to speak to Adrian that I'm about to do something different. And like Pastor Brian said in this transition prayer coming out of worship, that when we are expecting and looking for revival, we can't put constraints and limitations on a limitless God. We, we can't try to tell God what revival should look like, what it has to look like, according to our own preferences or according to our own comfort. Oftentimes when you see a move of God in the scripture, when you see what God, what Jesus even did in people's life, was he did something different. Jesus, when he came to this earth, they were expecting a conquering king, but he came as a Little baby. He came as something different. Y'all, it's, it's Christmas in July. Can we, just, can we just celebrate that really quick? Glory. But it's oftentimes something different that sparks something new in your life that, that you weren't even expecting. And so I just want to encourage you right now. It, it may not look like you want it to look like, Pastor. And I know we've talked about this a few weeks ago. But honor what God is doing. God often works in different ways. And he will bless you if you submit to that different way. Talking about uh, something different, I mean, God is just moving at Reclamation Church. We're seeing, as Pastor Brian said, salvations almost every week. It's just incredible to see what God is doing. And I believe that revival is not just contained to North Carolina. But that it is meant for the church at large. Let me just drop this onto you really quick. When you became a saved Christian and a saved believer, when you became a believer, you didn't just become a Christian. You became the church. See, God didn't call you to be a Christian. He called you to be the church. 
And so when you get plugged into a place like Life Chapel, you'll understand that this is a family. You're going to do life together. You're going to experience revival together. So again, I just want to encourage you to get plugged in here at Life Chapel. But going down memory lane, how many of y'all remember in 2010, uh, there was this thing that happened in Chile. Am I saying it right? This thing that happened in Chile called the, the Chilean Mining Accident. Anybody remember that? Where there was just this, this catastrophe that happened in the mines of Chile and 33 miners were stuck and trapped underground. If you know anything about this story, it took 17 days before any of these 33 miners were able to reach the surface. And the, how they reached the surface was just a note. They were able to, to break through the surface with a note that said, we're fine, we're in a shelter, and there's 33 of us. That's all the note said. In this place of darkness, I mean, this is a mine. Everything's collapsed. Everything's uh, run in. It's a place of They can't see anything. But they had hope that if we could just break through the surface and let somebody know where we are and how many of us there are, we know we have hope that somebody will come and save us. And this is what I love. If, if you know anything about this story, uh, once this, this note was discovered and we, when they found out that there's 33 people that needed rescuing, the Chilean government spared no expense at trying to find these 33 people. Let, let me show you. Again, it took 17 days before they were even discovered. And three international drilling rig teams, every ministry of the Chilean government, engineers, technicians from NASA, and more than a dozen multinational corporations all came together to find 33 people stuck underground. They spared, if you've seen Jurassic Park, this is my favorite line, we, stared, we spared no expense. <laughs> they spared no expense just to find 33 people. They didn't even know if they were still alive. And for weeks upon weeks, because it wasn't another 52 days before they pulled the first person out. They spent 67 to 69 days underground, waiting, hoping, and they pulled all 33 out. This is what I want to, I just want to bring this home to you really quick. You might feel like you are just completely overwhelmed and overrun in your life. You might feel like you are in the deepest, darkest place you've ever been. You might feel like life is just coming against you. You've got all kinds of bad news upon bad news trapping you underground. Listen, if you could just find the hope inside of you to just break through the surface, to just get a note up to heaven, to just find a way to say, God, I need you. I'm in need of rescuing. Listen, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, on a search and rescue mission for me and for you. And he spared no expense to find you, to save you, to bring you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Jesus came on a search and rescue mission for me and for you. You could even say he came on a do or die mission and he died doing the mission. And he did it to bring you and pull you out of darkness, to call you his own. And that's what I want to focus on today. I've titled this message Named. Maybe, maybe somebody in here, maybe you're feeling like you don't have an identity. Maybe you feel like you don't have a purpose. Maybe you feel like you don't have a family. You don't, you don't have somebody that you can call father. You don't have somebody you can call friend. You, you don't even know who you are in this thing called life. I want to tell you, God sent his son specifically to make you a son or daughter, to give you a family. 
Matter of fact, you can go all the way back to the beginning of time, to the beginning of creation, and God created you. The Bible tells us in multiple places that, that he created you from the foundations of the world, that he formed you and he knew you, and he had plans for your life and a purpose for your life. Before you were even born, bro, come on now. He had plans for your life. And what's interesting is Paul says that we should walk in them. Not that if we walk in them, but that we should walk in them. And so God created and had plans for me from the very foundation of the world. But we all know the story of Adam and Eve. Anybody know the story of Adam and Eve? Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And all of a sudden, the image of, of perfect creation that God created in humanity. Because remember, he said it was so good. All of a sudden, this image has been corrupted by what we call sin. And so this perfect image, this, this identity that God had given us had now been overrun with sin and, and corrupted. And so he sends his son Jesus to restore the file. Anybody ever dealt with corrupted files on your computer? I've always thought of it that way. It's, it's a corrupted file now, and now Jesus had to come in and restore the file. It's a system restore. Is that how that works? I'm not a tech guy, but I think that's how that works. And so Jesus came to restore it. But this is what you need to understand. If we are created in his image and we have plans that he has created for us and an identity that he has for us, then we also have to understand that when God creates, Satan also counterfeits. Anybody ever dealt with counterfeit money? I hope not. If you have, then you know that there's no value there's no exchange, there's no purpose to it. And here's the thing, Satan cannot create. John 10, 10 tells us that he is a thief and the thief can only come to kill, steal, and to destroy. So there's no way that he can give life. He promises life, but there's no way he can give it. He only comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. He, in other words, he places a counterfeit identity on who you are. And so from the very beginning, time God had plans for you and a name and an identity and a purpose and a calling for you but then sin entered the picture and now we are all born into sin with a counterfeit identity maybe you might be feeling like this right now where you just feel like you have no value where you feel like you have no purpose matter of fact I want to talk about a story in, in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 3, if you're familiar with this, it's, I, I call them the trio, the three little Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But did you know that was not their true name and their true identity? If you can turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, I want to open this up for you. Daniel chapter 1 introduces the story of four people in particular that are exiled into Babylon. We know them. Daniel is one. Everybody know the story of Daniel. We know Daniel, but we also know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's not how they're introduced in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, it says that they are called by name Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are the four listed in Daniel chapter 1 verse 6. These four that are taken into captivity in Babylon in roughly 598 B.C. This is history. This really happened, y'all. And this is what I want you to see. Just by looking at the names, you can see the God identity that is placed on their life. Look at it. Daniel. There's these two letters at the end of Daniel, E-L. This is a derivative of God's name, Elohim. Elohim. 
Matter of fact, if you look at the name Daniel, it means God is my judge. The name of God himself is imprinted on the identity of who Daniel is. What's really cool is when you look at the story of Jacob, and Jacob wrestles with the Lord, and Jacob's new name becomes Israel. God imprints his identity into a new creation. I'm going somewhere with this. Now we look at the names of, of the next ones, Hananiah, Mishael. There it is again, the E-L. Mishael means who is like God. Hananiah and Azariah come from the name Yahweh, where Yahweh is imprinted. Do you see this? The, the believers, the family of God, have the name and identity of God imprinted in their life. Hananiah literally means grace, mercy, and gift of the Lord. And if we look at Azariah, it means the Lord helps. So we see these four people named in particular that come out of Judah and into Babylonian exile, and they have the name of God imprinted on their life. But then what happens is we see in, in the next verse, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 7, it says the commander of the officials, let me, let me bring this back to like relevant times, the chief of staff. You can call him the chief of staff. King Nebuchadnezzar's chief of staff assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. I'm going to tell you the meaning of these names in just a second. But the reason why these people were renamed was to take away all identity, all heritage, all tradition, all family lineage, to try to remove all that was God out of their life and to place all that was Babylon into their life. It was a way to, to assimilate the, the Israelites or the people of Israel into Babylonian culture to completely erase all that they were from and all that they knew. In other words, to be conformed to the ways and gods of Babylon. It was forced assimilation. We see this throughout the Bible. Egypt did it. When Joseph went to Egypt, the Egyptians gave him a new name. These conquering these conquering nations, the conquering empires and kingdoms would, would specifically come and pull these people away, uproot them from where they were born, and then uproot them for where they were tied to an identity and completely change them. I, I'm, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. For, for example, Belteshazzar, remember his name was Daniel, God is my judge, which if you look at the, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, where the king tried to execute judgment against Daniel by throwing him into the lion's den, you're not my judge, oh king, God is my judge. And so Daniel survives the lion. If you don't know anything about that story, read the rest of Daniel. So he's been, been renamed to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protects his life, or Bel was the patron god of the Babylonians. It, it, they, they wanted to put the, the patron god into his identity. We look at Shadrach. Shadrach means the command of Aku, the, the Babylonian moon god. Do you see how they're removing all that God is and imprinting who the, the Babylonian culture is? Meshach means who is what Aku is, the, the moon god, again, going from light into darkness. Abednego means servant of Nebu, and Nebu was the, the god of vegetation and art. He was probably good at painting agricultural landscapes. <laughs> so weird. Maybe they 
renamed him to Abednego because he was good at, he had a green thumb. I don't know. Like, it's not me. People at our church have given us plants to take over for our kids, and like within a week, they're just dead. I can raise a kid. I can't raise a green bean plant. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) Yet in all of this, these four remain faithful to God. Listen, this is what I want to encourage you with today. Living in submission to God far outweighs living in subjection to man. And if you know anything about the story that we're diving into here, you will understand the faithfulness to a living God far outweighs any kind of false benefits and counterfeit ideologies that, would, that the world would want to place on you. if we remain faithful to God. So, so let me just talk about some learning points I want to pull out of the story of the trio, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One is this, the world can label you, but don't let it define you. The world can label you, but don't let it define you. We see these four being uprooted out of Judah and brought into Babylon, yet they held on to their God-given identity and definition of who they were. The world can let let the world say what they want to say, but don't let it seep into here. I I, I look at it this way. Uh, We have what we call a food lion. Here is it's King Supers. Let me bring it home, Pastor Brian. We have a place called Piggly Wiggly. Anybody been to a Piggly Wiggly? Yeah. We we have a place called Piggly. We have we have these grocery stores. That we go to. Oftentimes, if you go to like the, the produce section, you'll see, uh, I, I saw this one time, it was, it was a packet of corn, like corn on the cob, but on the outside it said baby carrots. <laughs> I kid you not. And I was like, surely this is not an isolated incident. So I Googled it. I was like, let me see like mis- mislabeled items in the produce section. There was, there was a pack of bananas and the label just said long yellow things. I mean, they're somewhat right, somewhat correct. But I, I, I want to I challenge you, when next time you go to the grocery store, look at the labels that they put on these things. It'll make you laugh sometimes. But, but this is what I want you to see. Let the world label you. You need to know who you are internally. You need to know who you are according to the identity that Christ has called you and created you to be. It's like your kids at check-in. When you get the little check-in, you guys do stickers here, right? You get the, the, my daughters are crazy sometimes. They'll, they'll mix up the, the, the tags on purpose, and like our daughter's name is Abby and Maya. We have a, a, a kid in our, in our church, her name is Cadence. And oftentimes Maya comes out as Cadence. They're best friends. So they decided, well, I'm just gonna be Cadence today and you can be Maya today. But here's the thing. I, the father of Maya and Abby, know who my children are. And it doesn't matter what kind of label is placed on them. I know who they are and they know who their daddy is. Maya doesn't leave and go to, to Clifford, Cadence's dad. She comes to me because she knows who her daddy is. Do you know who your father is? Do you know who Elohim is? Do you know who Yahweh is? Do you know who the living and most high God is? Do you know the one who formed you from the foundations of the world and called you and gave you a purpose and a calling and a gifting in your life to live and breathe and to bring growth and multiplication to your local church and more importantly, to your community? Do you know who God has created you to be? The first step is knowing who he is knowing who 
your father is. I look at it this way. Your, your definition, your internal workings is what is found in Jesus. And in order to maintain this faithfulness and, and continue living in the roots that they called home back in Jerusalem and in Judah, they refused to conform to the indoctrination. They could refuse to conform to the diet. Listen, what you are bringing in makes an impact in your life. They, refused, they, they, they filtered and made sure that they were bringing in only things that would glorify God. They, they watched their diet, and, and they refused the religion of Babylon. And, and so they were giving a topical name, but it didn't impact their internal character and their internal nature. See, a label is something that is attached to your life, but your name is something that is your life. A label is just something that's on the surface, but your identity, the name that God has for you goes so much deeper. Let me say it like this. Let the world say what they want. I'm going to be who God needs me to be. Notice I said be. I didn't say do. Oftentimes we're like, what can I do? I just want to do something. Listen, until you can learn to start being who God called you to be, the doing doesn't even matter right now. The, the doing is the result of the being. Because I know who I am in Christ, I'm going to be who God needs me to be. Let me, let me say it like this for our second point. You can live here, but don't make your home here. You can live here. They were living in Babylon, but they knew it wasn't their home. If, if you're in the military, Air Force, Army, if, 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 what else do we have out here? It's just Air Force and Army. I'm used to like Marines and stuff. We're praying for y'all. Any Marines in here, former Marines? Praise God. <laughs> I, I, I've been deployed twice to Afghanistan. I used to be in the Army, served nine years in the Army. I've been deployed twice to Afghanistan. Never once did I think Afghanistan was my home. I lived there. I breathed the, the terrible air there. And if you've been, you know what I mean. But never once did I settle and say, yep, this is what I'm going to call home. Never once did any of my soldier friends say, yep, this is, this is home. In, in the back of our minds and in the deepest parts of our heart, we knew we're going home one day. And if I could just get through this moment here and now, get through this deployment, I have a home to look forward to. See, I, I was born and raised in the church, and uh, I, I heard this saying a lot, and I, we just finished the series called Go and Tell at our church back at Reclamation Church in North Carolina, and I, we closed out with this, this thought and, and kind of reimagining and reassessing what this phrase even means. And maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you were born and raised in the church like me. It goes like this. You can be in the world but not of the world. Anybody heard that before? You can be in the world but not of the world. And let, let me take a step back from that just for a moment because I even caught myself saying it here just a second ago. I just can't wait to get through this deployment. And I think oftentimes we have this mentality as believers, if I can just get through this world, if I can just get through and get it, get, make it to the other side, to make it to heaven, if I can just make it through this lousy old place. John chapter 17, Jesus talks about where, where I'm not of this world. And because I'm not of this world, my, my followers are not of this world. And he starts with that, not of this world. And then a few verses later in John chapter 17, he says, but I've been sent into the world. 
And Father, just as you've sent me, I send these. And so while it's great to have this thought process where I'm in the world but not of the world, I think it's really missing a missional standpoint of who we are in Christ. Because it's literally saying, if I could just get through it, I'll be good. But in reality, what what that's doing is putting the the focus on the the end rather than the mission. Am I making sense to anybody? See, when you become a believer, when you become a child of God and a new identity in Christ Jesus, you are already of the kingdom. It's not a destination you're looking for. It's a place that you're living in right here and right now. The kingdom of God, you begin to operate and walk in it here and now. And so you are of the kingdom, but sent into the world. So I think we just need to relook at that. It's not that I'm in the world, but not of the world. It's I'm not of this world, but I am sent into the world. And and this is the the mentality that I see the trio, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have, and even Daniel have. They understand I'm not of Babylon, but I am sent into Babylon, And I'm here to make a difference and I'm here to make a change. And so if I remain faithful, I can live in the purpose and calling that God has for me. John 18, 36, Jesus says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. Listen to this in Philippians 3.20. Paul says this, our citizenship is in heaven, so we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the way Peter puts this. Peter's like the best, the best way he puts this right here in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says this, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of of the flesh, which wage war against you. Listen, if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this today. You are a sojourner, not a settler. A settler looks for comfort. A sojourner is constantly looking for where they are being led to go to. You're not a settler. We don't look for places of comfort. We don't settle in places. Matter of fact, as I was saying, with something different, it often takes you out of your comfort zone to get to that next level. You know what that's called? Leadership, we call it growth. But how often do we sacrifice our calling for the convenience of comfort? I, we, we started homeschooling back in 2020, Sister Mary. We started homeschooling. We took our kids out of out of school, and we were like, we, we just think we can, I'm a better teacher, y'all. <laughs> if y'all knew my math, math is like terrible. We got into an argument, me and my wife got into an argument two nights ago. I was adding tip, and I, I was short. She's like, it's more than that. I was like, it's not more than that. I did the math. I was wrong. I had to apologize. It's called growth. <laughs> apologize in your marriage. It's called growth. Anyways. This isn't a marriage series. Listen, comfort will kill your calling. What what I'm saying is we took our kids out of school. We started homeschooling them. And and oftentimes after a hard day, pastor, maybe you're the same way. Maybe maybe you're the same after a long day at work. You just want to go home and you just want to sit on the couch. Anybody else is like this? You just want to sit down. You just want to get going. Maybe you have your special chair. and how, It's that special chair that when you walk into the living room, you expect whoever's sitting in that chair to get up. That's my spot. When you're dad one day, then you can have that spot. That's my, you get, and so you, you find, you, you just get comfortable. You get comfortable, you just lay back. 
And, and if you're a husband, you know, you know this fight. Within five minutes, your wife is like, hey, the garbage has got to go out. Anybody else? Let's, can we be real today? <laughs> as soon as you get comfortable, hey, the garbage has got to go out. And so I'm like, okay, uh, I, just, I just sat down. I'll, I'll get it in a minute. The girls are, are doing homework because, again, they're homeschooled now. And so, hey, Dad, I, I have a question. Okay, bring, me, bring, bring it to me. And so they bring me their book. I'm, I'm comfortable, y'all. Don't make me get up. Let's be real. We get comfortable. And I help them. Okay, yeah, no, that's wrong. You need to add the two, carry the one. It's, yeah, that's it. And, and so then they go back to the table and they're doing their schoolwork. And then more often than not, what happens is you fall asleep. Come on. You get comfortable. You lay back. I just need a couple minutes and you fall asleep. And, and, and this is what I'm guilty of. I'll just own it right here. Oftentimes, Adrian will be like, hey, I'm going out uh, with some ladies from the church. I'll be back in a few hours. While I'm away, can you just like, clean up a little bit, maybe wash the dishes, take out the trash, you know, help, help with things around that. Absolutely. I love you, baby. I'm going to help you. I'm, I, we're going to help each other. We're going to take care of this together. And so she'll leave and fall asleep on the couch. Come on, somebody. And then you, you're like in the deepest moment of sleep ever, and then you hear that, the, the garage door. And you know you messed up. And you jump up really quick. You're just trying to tidy everything. You wash, you're throwing all the dishes in the dishwasher. Girls, come here and help me. You need to learn how to do dishes. Right? And then mom walks in. You're like, these girls, they're just walk, they work so slow. Knowing full well that you slept, you fell asleep because of the comfort that you went in, and you forgot to do what you said you was going to do. And that's exactly what comfort does to us. It will sacrifice our calling. And here's the thing. It promises rest, but really all it does is steal our calling away. I just need a few minutes, babe. And then hours later, maybe not hours. I don't sleep that long. Come on. But listen, you can't sacrifice your comfort or sacrifice your calling for comfort. Get Somebody get up out of the couch this week. Amen. Listen, because they remained faithful, they lived in the favor of God. Because they remained faithful, they lived in the favor of God. Look at Daniel chapter 1, 17 to 20. It says, as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Listen, God gave that anything you have in this world is not by your own doing. If you've recently been promoted, my Bible tells me but promotion comes from the Lord. My Bible also tells me that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above where there is no variation or shifting of shadows. He's not shady, y'all. That's what I love about it. He's not shady. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Father above. He gives knowledge. He gives wisdom. He gives favor. Look at the next verse, 18. Then at the end of the days, which the king has specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials, the chief of staff, presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19, the king talked with them, and out of all of them, this is like hundreds of people going through the selection process, out of all of them, not one was found like Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
And because of the favor of God on their life, because of the faithfulness to God, they entered the king's personal service. Now look at this, verse 20. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the rest. This is the favor of God on our life because of the faithfulness and commitment to God, even, in, even when everything was falling apart around them. Even in a place of exile, even in a place of darkness, even in a place where things were just not lining up like you thought they were going to line up. They remained faithful and because of the faithfulness, God's favor was poured out upon him. And listen, this is what I want, to, I want you to hear. His action does not define his faithfulness. Oftentimes we get stuck in the situation, God's just not answering my prayers, so he's not faithful to me. And so because God's not faithful to me, I'm not going to be faithful to him. And we step out on God because we're looking at him to do something rather than to be everything. If you're familiar with the story of Moses at the burning bush, and God gives him his calling and purposes and tells him, you're going to go into Egypt and pull my people out of slavery. Moses says, yeah, okay, who am I to say who sent me? God didn't say, listen, bro, I do what I do. No, he said, I am who I am. And if we can listen and, and learn who the I am is, then it don't matter what or what not he does. Listen, you can't put constraints on a limitless. You can't put limitations on a limitless father. Stop looking for him to do something and start learning who he is for you. Because he is for you. Action doesn't prove his faithfulness. The faithfulness proves the action. Amen. Remain faithful. And we're progressing into this next part of the story. Remain faithful even when the heat is on. I don't know about you, but if you've been a part of the church for a while, you'll understand that it's getting hotter outside. And I'm not talking about the sun. Y'all, we, we were blessed to walk out of the Denver airport. It's like, oh, this feels so, I know y'all are saying this is a heat wave. Y'all, it feels so good here. I am loving it. There's like 0% humidity, or if it is, it's like a trace of humidity, if that's how you measure humidity, like snow. I don't know. North Carolina, you see it on the ground when you wake up in the morning. It's, it's bad. You walk outside, and it's just like you, you took a shower again. But it's getting hotter outside. It's getting hot for the church. The heat is being turned up. If you look everywhere around you, it seems like there's more against the church than there is for the church. But again, I'm not looking at what Babylon thinks of the church. I'm looking at what the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty thinks of the church. Even when the heat is on, remain faithful. Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, if you know the story, he makes this huge golden statue. It's like nine feet wide and 90 feet tall. It's massive. It's huge. And it's in the response to a, a, a dream interpretation that Daniel gives King Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this really cool dream, and he sees this statue with different layers, and each layer has a different type of metal or even stone or clay. And he works from the feet and goes all the way up to the head, and the head is made of gold. And Daniel in the interpretation in Daniel chapter 2, he says, you, O king, are the gold head. 
and this goes straight to his head. And so he makes this massive golden statue that has to be worshiped on command when music is played. Daniel chapter 3, verse 5 says this, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe. Anybody love bagpipes? I'm praying for y'all. And all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. I want, to, I want to just step back really quick, and I want to pray for your grace and mercy really quick. But can I just speak some truth into your life? The world is playing a lot of music right now and demanding the church bow to so many different images. And the moment we don't, hashtag cancel, come on somebody. The moment you refuse to bow, the moment you refuse to, to, to be assimilated into and conformed into this culture, the moment you decide to stand, all hell breaks loose against you. There's, there's, if you were to read this entire chapter, the entire story of, of Daniel and the whole book of Daniel, you'll see a lot of, of parallels with today's culture. But I believe God is looking for just two or three or even four people who, in the midst of pressure and, and threatening and, and in the midst of just all that is coming against us, will stand firm on the faithfulness and in the power of God and say, even if you cancel me, I don't care. I'm not here to serve you. I'm not here to serve man. I'm here to lift high the mighty name of God. And to show who he is, not just what he does. Often we look around and it is disguised as things like celebration or inclusion or tolerance. And oftentimes we hear this thing, oh, it's, it's not that bad. We're just helping people. Listen, let me say this. I said this a couple of weeks ago in our church. There's not enough legislation in this world that can do and replace what the church should be doing anyway. If you look at the call and the power of the church in the book of Acts and who they were and what they did, there's no law that could replace all that they did. And this is why I tell you, it, God didn't call you to be a Christian. He called you to be a church. And if your passion and desire truly is about loving people and serving people and reaching people, there's no better place to do it than in the church. Because he enables and equips and empowers the church to go into the places that need it, that need him. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. I've always looked at that as kind of like them, the, the hell coming against the church. Really, the gates are, are defensive in nature. Meaning that the church should be on the offense, bringing the word of God, bringing the light of God everywhere with us. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Daniel 3 verse 6 says this, Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be immediately cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And we know the story, the, the trio's faithfulness kept them standing. And the, all of a sudden, we'll read here in a second, the trio became the quattro. I'm sure that's not the musical term for it. It's probably quartet. But for rhyming's sake, the trio becomes the quattro. And, and this is what I want you to see. Look at, look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 12 to 18. 
It says, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody been, anybody ever been called out before? Isn't it annoying? It's almost like these guys are like, I'm not trying to point elbows or nothing. But these three right here, they're not doing what you commanded them to do. And this is what I want you to hear. You're going to get noticed for not bowing to culture. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. But remain faithful because he is faithful. Look, let's look at this as we look into it. Verse 13, the Nebuchadnezzar in a rage and anger, that sound familiar with today? Gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These, these men were brought before the king. And King Nebuchadnezzar asks them, is it true that you don't serve my gods and worship this, this golden image that I have set up? Look, look at verse 15. If you're ready, I'm going to give you a second chance. If you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the music, I'm going to skip through all of that, you will fall down and worship the image that I've made very well. I'm going to give you a second chance. But if you do not worship, I'm throwing you into the fire. Hashtag cancel. And look what he asks. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king in verse 16, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Can I tell you your most powerful argument is to shut up? You just need to learn that you don't have to fight for yourself. Sometimes you need to learn that it's the Holy Spirit that will speak on your behalf. That's something I've learned a lot as a pastor because, pastor, let's be honest, people are going to say a lot about pastors. Sometimes you just got to shut up. And I've, I've made this resolution. You can ask my wife. I'm just going to sit back as a Christian, not just as a pastor, as a believer. I'm just going to sit back and let people say what they want to say because I know who I am in Christ Jesus and I know that I have integrity in Christ Jesus and the Lord will fight on my behalf. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, that we would have that mentality. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, I don't even have to give you an answer concerning this matter. Verse 17, this is the, the trio talking. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But listen to this, but even... If he doesn't. I know. And maybe you just need to walk away from this place today with this, this encouragement, with this confirmation in your spirit. To, to know that he has you in the palm of his hand. To know that he's going to take care of you every step of the way. To know that you have an identity firmly based in Christ Jesus. But even if it doesn't seem like it, I will continue to serve my God. Maybe you've prayed those prayers before. Father, I just need healing over my mother. But even if you don't bring healing, you're still God. Father, I just need this breakthrough in my finances. But even if I don't see it, you're still God. He is looking for people who will stand, even if it seems like all is against you. 
Listen, we live in a season where the heat is rising against the church, and God is looking for people who will stand and not bow and cower at the pressures and intimidation of the world, a people that are not conformed to the ways of the world, but completely transformed, a people that are called out and standing firm, a people who will stand and declare the awesomeness and the power of our God, a God who delivers, and even if he doesn't, he is still faithful. So they throw the trio into the furnace and, and they heat it up. If you read the story, they heat it up seven times hotter. It's so hot that even when they open the door, the guards die instantly. They just moved to North Carolina. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't do walks in North Carolina. We stay inside. So they throw the trio into the furnace, and you need to know that today. Oftentimes, it's going to get hotter before it gets easier. I had to encourage a couple of our people in our church that were really concerned about things that are happening in the world today. I'm just, they, they were just really becoming uneasy, and I had to remind them what Jesus said, that Jesus said, these things must happen before I come again. And if we have that mentality to understand that he's coming again, and these things must happen. This, this just means I'm one step closer to home. It might seem over, it might seem daunting. It might seem everything is against you, but it just means you're one step closer to coming home. The more faithful you are, listen, the hotter it's going to get. Pastor, that's not very encouraging. The more faithful you are, the hotter it's going to get. But remain faithful, for he is faithful. Look what, look what happens to the faithful in the fire. Daniel 3, verse 24 to 25. I promise I'm winding this down. Mark, if you want to come up. Musicians, if you want to come up. Verse 24 says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and, and stood up in haste. And he said to his high officials, wasn't there three people that we cast into the midst of the fire? And they're kind of like, duh. We, yeah, we only put three in there, king. What are you, what are you thinking? And he says, look, I see, I see four men, but I don't just see four men in the fire. I see them loosed and walking around. Who does that? You're telling me that, that God freed you and you had a moment to get out of the fire, but you decided to just walk around in the fire? Come on, somebody. I see four loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire, listen, without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Verse 26, the Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire, and he responded and, and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Listen, you servants of the Most High God. R remember the, 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 the audacity that the king had? What God is there to save you from my hand? And suddenly his perception has changed. His belief has changed. You servants of the most high God. He's not just any God. He's the most high God. He's not a dead God. He's a living and active God. He's not a distant, disconnected deity 
He is a father who sent his son to walk this life and walk these dirt roads with you. And so when, you, when we have that understanding that we've been sent into the world, it's almost like we've been sent into the fire. And those who are faithful and, listen, loosed and walking about in this world, it's just like these trio who become a quattro. Jesus himself comes alongside and he promises, I will be with you every step of the way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have called you to great and powerful things. And I wouldn't just say that. I would equip you and empower you to do that. Would you stay with me as we close today? At the end of verse 29, King Nebuchadnezzar is making this decree. He says this, there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. What God is able to deliver you? The most high God. No other God is able to deliver in this way. At the, at the beginning of this message, I talked about how God imprints his name and identity into these, these, these things that we call a new creation. If you become a believer and you've confessed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you've become a new creation. All the old things, all of the old sins, all of the old failures, everything that you've ever done is washed away. All of the old is passed away, faded away. It's dead. Behold, all things are made new. And he places this identity in you, this, this, the, the, the name, the power of who he is inside of you. And this is what I want you to hear today. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I think as believers, we kind of get a little, we, we don't fully understand that, Mark. I don't think we fully understand the power that is in the name of Jesus. See, it's more than just five letters and two syllables, Jesus. It's more than just five letters uh, uh, situated on a page. It's more than just a word. He's the word. And there's power in just by saying the name of Jesus. This is what I want to hear. Jesus, if we look at it in the Greek and Hebrew, is Yeshua or Yeshua. Which we get the word Yahweh, God's name. And Shua meaning saves. Jesus, the name Jesus literally translates to God saves. And, and you're probably like, yeah, well, well, pastor, I understand that everybody needs to be saved. Let me, let me just bring this a little bit further for you. It actually translates to God is actively rescuing. Jesus God actively rescues. This is not a passive in nature. It's not something that he says and sits back in a place of comfort. Again, he's, he created this search and mess, rescue mission to go and save the lost. To find you. 
to find me. You were the mission. And this is what I love. Philippians, Paul says that because of of the mission that Christ had to humble himself and become like a man, even to the point of death, death on the cross, it says that God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name. Hear this today. Depression is just a name. Diabetes is just a name. Loneliness is just a name. Financial strife and indebtedness and poverty is just a name. COVID is just a name. I want you to hear this today. If you can learn to sit back and name whatever problem you have and stop living in denial and bring it under the subjection of who Christ is. He is the name that is above every other name. Everything has to bow to who he is. Jesus. And this is what I love. All you, all you have to say is Jesus. Just the name Jesus is a prayer of rescue. Just to say Jesus in a moment of loneliness, in a moment of hurt and despair, just to say Jesus is to invite the very nature of God into your situation and into your story. It's to literally cry out, God, rescue me. See, I don't, I don't think we fully understand the power in the name of Jesus. And so this is what I want to do. Pastor, are we doing, are we doing altar calls or no? This is what I want to do. Maybe you're suffering with these false labels and identity. Maybe the world has labeled you as depressed. Maybe the world has labeled you as lonely or broken or impoverished. Maybe the world has, let me get real here. Maybe the world has labeled you as homosexual or confused. Can I get real for a second? Maybe the world has placed this counterfeit identity on you, this false name. If that's you here today, Pastor, I need breakthrough. I need to get out of depression. Listen, there's no, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every yoke of bondage, to make you loosed and walking around free in the fire. And if that's you here today, I just want to ask you to come. I asked Mark, hey, Mark, can we sing this song, I Speak Jesus? It's such a powerful name, such a powerful song. And if that's you here today, you just need prayer. I want to pray with you. I believe that there's freedom today. The devil has been invading your mind. Hear me right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The devil has been invading your mind, raiding your mind, plundering your mind. Again, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and to destroy. And there's power here today to renew your mind and bring bring complete transformation to who you are. If that's you here today, listen, there's no shame. There's no shame in coming to get prayer. There's no shame in having somebody pray over your life. There's only celebration. There's only praise in that. There's only freedom in that. If that's you here today, come on. Come on, somebody. I know there's more. 
if that's you here today. Maybe you're here and you just need, you just need Jesus to move in your life. Maybe, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Maybe you've never even given your life over to Jesus. You don't even know what this, this kingdom identity is for you. And you just need God to imprint who he is in your life. And you need to call on the name of Jesus and be saved to give your life to him. Or maybe you have in the past, but the counterfeit is out there and you've chased things that have left you feeling less than valuable. And you need to come home. Listen to me today. Son, daughter, come home. Come home. The Father's waiting. Come home. When, when you come back into alignment with Jesus Christ and he becomes your Lord and Savior, he's restoring, he's restoring that perfect image of who God is in your life. And if that's you here today, I want to ask you to come too. We're going to pray with you. This is a place of freedom today. This is a place of, place of hope. Listen, this is a place of life. And if you feel dead or even deader than dead lately, come and be revived in Jesus' name.